Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friend, Tim Miller, and sitting in for Sarah Longwell, A.B. Stoddard, now of The Bulwark. Don't get in trouble with that best friend talk. And all three of us, okay, let's just be a little happier today, all right? We don't want to send anybody into it's the very dark dangerous place, having all this, right? having this lineup. Yeah. This is like put your head in an oven lineup. This is okay, danger, danger. Not, that's not it's not appropriate and we are not doing that to this time. We're going to there's a lot there's good stuff to talk about, there's bad stuff. It's going to just be right we'll down the middle. We'll get to the Jenna Ellis stuff. Yeah. There, there's your tease guys. The good yeah. stuff is going to come in segment 2 with Jenna There'll Ellis. Be some candy. Okay, so, so we'll uh, have some candy are, too actually. Tom Emmer's We are balls. taping on the morning of Wednesday, October 25th. We are now in week number four of the House having no speaker. Yesterday, Tom Emmer became the speaker designate, which is, I guess, a new title that we're all going to pretend exists now. And this lasted <laughs> for how long was it, A.B.? Was it four hours, three hours? Four hours and ten minutes. Four hours and ten minutes. I actually, in in the interim, I nominated A.B. as speaker designate <laughs> as well uh, from from the innovation party. But then Warren Davidson of Ohio <laughs> came for me, and it was all over in minutes. Uh, so uh, the conference really has no interest in having Tom Emmer as their speaker. I think maybe Mike Rogers is on the clock now. Is that is that a thing that has happened? No, or is he already done? No, Mike Johnson. And I think he's going to – I'm scared of Mike, Mike Johnson. Johnson. I'll, I'll give Sorry. you a little Mike Johnson rundown. And A.B. knows these folks. But so, so A.B., please chime in if I – if there's anything you need to revise and extend on my Mike Johnson briefing. Um, I'm going to steal a line from Sarah. I don't remember exactly what Sarah's line was about Glenn Youngkin, but it was something to the effect of uh, Mike Johnson is uh, is Patrick McHenry in the streets and Jim Jordan in the sheets. Okay, so like he looks like... Wait, or or the other way around. Which Which way? No, that way. He looks, he presents publicly as a very dorky... 1984 Republican, gotcha. you know, who just like whose mom packs his lunch and like is just a very, you know, goes to church on Sunday and doesn't, you know, isn't hung over, doesn't show up late, stays till the end, says says hello to the priest after. Right. Like the whole, the whole deal. He like he just looks like a good boy. But um, his voting record has been that of a very bad boy. Um, and so in, and so in private, he I think has done a much better job than. Well, better or worse, depending on how you look at it. Uh, he has he has been much more willing to suck up to and accommodate and 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 try to win over the hearts of the MAGA crazies than maybe your Patrick McHenry or your Tom Emmers were willing to. And so I, I think he might be in the Goldilocks zone for getting the speakership. Um, uh, I, when I looked at that list of nine, he was the one that jumped out at me. Uh, he scared me a little. Remember when I wrote that piece about going to the Louisiana Republican uh, convention a few months ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, he scared me in that one because he gave a he gave taped remarks. He had to be from D.C., but the taped remarks were the most normal sounding thing of the entire day. I was there, uh, but yet the crowd, the MAGA crowd that was ultra MAGA, you know, uh, you know, for folks who don't remember, I, and this was like a everyone there was for Trump. They they it was the event where everyone said Trump won the debate, even though he didn't show up at the debate. Like this was right. not a normal crowd. Okay, this was a very Trumpy crowd. And they were super into him, and so I was like, "Hmm, this guy, this guy knows how to like work, you know, work his way around MAGA world, and and he has a and he has a presentation that won't make him look like a freak show on the Sunday show." So when I looked at that list of nine, he was the one that I was worried about from the start, as 
as, as maybe being able to get it. Um, he's also a longtime yeah, Christian conservative, so he's got the evangelicals on his side. Uh, he, de- you know, he was doing don't say gay stuff before it was cool. There was a Baton Rouge Republican city councilman is no, you know, no bulwark squish. Okay. Um, like this is, uh, this is the real stuff. He called Mike Johnson a despicable bigot of the highest order hmm. following his, uh, his 2015 bill about gay marriage. So, that's what you got. You got a Christian conservative guy who looks like an establishment guy but votes like a MAGA guy. It was lobbying his fellow House members to support the insurrection. I, I, to me, that that seems like maybe maybe they might have found something here. I don't know. Ab, how do how do you feel about that Mike Johnson analysis? Yeah, I think what you saw at the state meeting was an indication. He's done a great job of keeping a not a low profile, but a no profile in terms of House Republicans. So he hasn't really made enemies, really hard for the Democrats to define. People are Googling him, including Senator Susan Collins, who's chairman of the Appropriations Committee this morning on the Senate side. But she's she, literally Googling him? I'm sorry, I missed yes, this. She's yeah. li- she, she was literally Googling him? She doesn't know him, so she told uh, the media that she'll be Googling him. The thing about <laughs> him, there's several things about him. It's really depressing. You can ask Bill Crystal gets an F on Ukraine. He was the lead in the House Republicans on the Texas lawsuit. So he's a major stop the stealer. Not a coup plotter, but an election denier and a big Trump sniffer. And that was critical to him being able to position himself. In another place and time, we could say, wow, there's this guy who's a constitutional lawyer, and he's on the Judiciary Committee, and he's on Armed Services, and he's probably grown up, and he probably really knows his facts. But if you if you look at, I mean, any, what constitutional lawyer would be the lead on a case that the Supreme Court threw out and was a joke. And then if you look at his work in as a commentator and a, a columnist and, and a, and a uh, radio host, it was really championing sort of the Christian conservative cause. And so we know where this is going. And it'll be so interesting to watch him should he not have his candidacy or his designation blow up while we're actually here together because that still might happen sure uh but if if he is the speaker by the end of this day boy is it going to be interesting to see how he navigates you know having i mean he has trump as his back but he is an unknown backbencher who's going to have to go you know from zero to 80 uh right away we know where he's going to be on these issues um he's been civil with democrats Apparently, he's had some past relationship with Nancy Pelosi where they got along over something. He's polite, and he's not a bomb thrower, but we know behind the scenes where he's going to be, and it'll be so fascinating to watch him navigate people who are not going to let him have a continuing resolution, this type of thing, in 23 days. And that, I think, is the big hurdle, if he doesn't get it, right, that's remaining ahead, is that, like, last night during a press conference, he was asked— after he was named as the 19th speaker designate, um, he was asked about about his efforts on the Stop the Steal, and he was asked about the con- continuing resolution and getting a vote on Ukraine. And he said he made fun. They made fun of the reporter on the first one. Virginia Fox started yelling, "You're an idiot!" What she started? She's no. Virginia she Fox, said, "Shut up!" Twice. Shut up! Like, yeah, she I'm started. Sorry, yelling, but why is that acceptable? Yeah, she started yelling, "Shut up!" Uh, Virginia Fox uh, for asking about that. 
I guess not a legitimate question anymore. I can't ask our elected members about their, you know, attempt to overturn an election. Uh, and then he said he wasn't going to talk policy. So that leads me to believe that he hadn't, like, kind of, and it's not all locked up, right? Like, if, if he felt like he had the deal, then he could talk policy because they would have come to a deal. And so, you know, there might be holdouts on who knows, either side. I don't like he, like, but he's such a unknown quantity I, he could be on the side where he wants to do another cr or not or i like who, like that all that is up in the air still two questions for you guys first is why would anybody take the job without getting deals on both the ukraine stuff and the the eventual government shutdown stuff within the caucus first right i mean you you can't take the job and they just say like, hey, well, you know, 23 days from now, we'll figure out this other big thing. Because then 23 days from now, you're dead, right? Don't you have to, while you have the leverage, because you you can say, I could take this job or leave it. No? Am I wrong about this? I think this? so. They're probably going to do that today. Don't you think, AB? Isn't that what he's got left to do? I think he has to have secured the votes with some kind of a deal, and they're all refusing to tell us. That's why or, they were shouting at the press last yeah. night. Yeah, or they don't have everybody on board. He can only lose four people, right? So like Thomas Massey, right. for example, who's going to be a hardliner on all this stuff on the budget side. He's like someone that does actually right. have an ethos. Uh, he's not just a crazy. He's a crazy with an ethos. Um, he went from abstaining last night to this morning saying he'd be for him. So we don't we don't know what, what they said during that conversation. But it seems to me like he's ironing out the particulars today. And and that might be what blows it up or, or finishes it. And point number two this is just psychology. Why would Jim Jordan go along with this? If you're Jim Jordan and you think America wants you and this pisher is going to be your boss now. I mean, like I'm, I'm just sorry. I don't think that's how workplaces work normally. Right. The, the guy who thought he was going to run the office is suddenly being told, you know, the water boy, actually, we're going to make him your manager. And, like, if Jordan has the power to blow this up, which presumably does, right? Like, he can find three other people. Can somebody to... clip that little segment and send it to Jim Jordan's office just for let him just kind of let him review uh, that video? And, and maybe that'll change. Why it. would he go along with that? Right. Why? I mean, I and I mean this quite sincerely. If you're Jordan or any of these other guys at this point, why not just go to the mattresses? Like, let's see if these people are still going to want to deny you your gavel three more weeks from now. You know, like, I don't understand why someone like Jordan, who is willing to blow up his relationships with the entire conference, would then just be like, oh, yeah, no, no, sure. Okay, yeah, sure. You know, like, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me on a psychological level. Okay, you're scaring me because last night I saw the headline about how suddenly after Emmer. McCarthy was going to rise again. He was going to be speaker and make Jordan the assistant speaker. And I freaked out and started texting all these Republicans. Tell me this is not true. Tell me that this is, I cannot take the Phoenix rising from the ashes. Where I thought we were done with Jordan. Anyone but Jordan, please tell me no. And, um, and then they were going into that conference meeting and I saw John Bresnahan tweet that like, he's like, that is not happening. So let's move past it. So I was like, okay, good. And I just took melatonin and went to bed and woke up and Mike Johnson was the designee. <laughs> but I, I I, literally, I mean, JVL, the idea of him like ruining this for Johnson today and rising up again. And I can't, I, I can't, I can't take it. Please. I mean, yeah, this guy lost, he lost in secret ballot. He's unwanted. 
And I mean, because this guy Johnson is like, because he's Trump's sniffer, I don't know, like, what does Jordan have on him that he's like a judiciary chairman who's led like a pathetic impeachment inquiry so far? I, I don't know. Please tell me it's over. Please tell me. I, so. Yeah, I think it's over. I hear what you're saying, JVL, about the psychology. I think there's another psychological element here, though, which is that, like, those of us who rate high on the shame quotient, you know, those of us who have a lot of shame and don't like to be humiliated and don't like to be embarrassed and, like, all of this, we might look at the House conference and people like my, uh, Jim Jordan and say, these guys have no shame, none. They'll do whatever. They'll go along with whatever as long as they stay in power. And the reality is that's like inhuman. They're still human beings and they have a tiny bit and a modicum of shame. And I, w- I was told even that Matt Gates was starting to get really like kind of embarrassed and uncomfortable in certain settings. Like he might not show it on TV, but, but folks that have talked to him because he was like, he didn't expect it to go this well or this bad, depending on how you, how you look at it, right? Like he didn't think that this was going to happen. Catastrophic the- success. Yeah, catastrophic success. And he's starting to get embarrassed. And I think Jim Jordan is starting to get a little embarrassed. And, and like, I think that there's like a, we need this to be over with kind of thing. I, I think that that element is, 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 is coming into play. And I was on MSNBC last night with Joy Reid and Ali Vitale, and we are like laughing like little school girls. I mean, just hysterical hyena laughter over the Kevin McCarthy suggestion. And like they're, you know, and so that stuff gets sent around. It's like MSNBC hosts laughing and pointing and mocking the house guys. They do eventually that starts to matter to them. They're still human. Again, if you're if you're not embarrassed by the 15th vote, right? When you're Kevin McCarthy you. and you're willing to go to like the 16th, why why now? If you're not embarrassed at day 14, why are you embarrassed by week four? I, I don't. Humans are complicated, JVL, you know? I, I don't understand the humans. I don't are, like the humans. Have many I don't layers. Like, they're like an onion. You know, they have many layers. I like the pod people. Uh, <laughs> I, I have one more question though. One more psychology question. And I'm going to write about this today. You guys can help me talk through my, my newsletter while we're here on air. Tom Emmer's um, testes. So Tom Emmer. <laughs> Sorry, I've seen the draft. Trump, not anti-Trump, but Tom Emmer, uh, you know, goes and tries to suck up to Trump. And Trump's response is to call him a rhino and a terrible person who defends Elon Omar. And he destroys Tom Emmer's like the, the moment. The most important moment in Tom Emmer's career, Donald Trump doesn't like pocket veto him. Donald Trump takes a sledgehammer to him. Mm. And Tom Emmer's response is to do nothing. Yes. To not become a never Trumper, to not say F this guy and, you know, give it right back to him. I thought tit for tat was like the optimal game theory strategy. And Tom Emmer is just like, you know, I'll just sit there and take it. Like, what is what is wrong with these people? I thought we were all told like, oh, well, they're just transactional. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. This guy, is it transactional or is it like DS? Is this a, a, a <laughs> DS relationship? Like, well, I don't, I don't get it. And I, I don't understand. I, and I, what I was thinking about was I'm thinking about the, the scene in the dark night where the Joker shows up to the mob and he like, and he says, why, why do you meet down here in the middle of the afternoon? Right? What a year ago, none of these cops would have, would have lifted a finger to you. What happened? Did did your balls drop off? Right? And this is what what is wrong with these people? JBL, it's the death threats. Tom Emmer put out a tweet of Trump saying, I'm gonna try to stay out of the speaker race. And so Emmer put it out like pretending that Trump was neutral, even though Trump can't stand him. And his allies spent whatever the weekend, like, 
telling people he had a DUI or something years ago, which like that matters now in the age of Donald Trump. So, so <laughs> Trump, so everyone knows Emmer's like possibly dead by Monday morning because of, or Tuesday or whatever day it was because of Trump. Then he gets that clip of Trump in New Hampshire getting on the ballot. And he says, I got to try to say out. Basically he sends it around as a tweet saying like, thank you, Mr. President. And tries to sort of snuggle him, but saying like, Trump's not going to tank me. And that's it. That enrages Trump. And so he sends out a tweet at 2 p.m. yesterday, and that's the end of Tom Emmer. And what you do is go quietly. You do not say F Trump. You do not become a never-Trumper. He has enough people in his driveway right now, JBL, threatening his wife and his dog. What else does he have to lose? I mean, this is what I don't understand, <laughs> right? This, I don't understand. I can feel this. this. Is... I can feel this one. Go ahead, please. I got it. Well, for starters, he is a beta bitch. Okay, he just is. He's just a total beta, and he's happy to let Donald Trump dominate him. That that's so that that's one. He should just wear the gimp mask. That's he should, and that's one element of the psychology of this. There's a there's a certain level of these people who just who just want to be told what to do, and as long as they can keep that little pin and you know be able to get into the Capitol Hill Club and whatever, that's fine with them. And this is and this goes to what I was right, what I wrote about today for the site, which is. These guys have been kicking the can down the road on confronting the freaks for over a decade now. Over John Boehner took the speakership in 2011, right? So it's been like almost a decade and a half that these guys have been dealing with the freaks on the fringes of their party. And, and that fringe grew, grew more and more and more. And now it's almost like a majority of the party uh, among electeds. But their strategy the whole time has been accommodate them, appease them, do whatever is necessary, um, you know, to to keep them happy as long as we can stay in our jobs, as long as we can stay in power. It's just kick the can, kick the can, kick the can, kick the can, whatever. We'll throw them another thing. We'll, we'll do another fake impeachment. We'll do another brinksmanship on a shutdown. We'll do whatever you want, right? As long as I can, I can stay in charge. And, like, here's the thing. That might have seemed like a really stupid and humiliating thing, but it has worked like kind of for a long time, really. I, I mean, if, you know, you could sit in, in John Boehner's seat in 2013 and think, man, the Tea Party's going to take this over by 2015, right? Like, uh, really? Or you could sit in Paul right. Ryan's seat in 2017 and think that like a MAGA guy is going to throw me over by 2019. And here we are in 2023 and McCarthy was still in charge. So like that strategy, while being morally bankrupt, you know, and humiliating has like also kind of worked. They've all stayed in their leadership roles. They've all stayed on their private jet trips with the donors. They've all whatever. Okay. And that I think mindset has really baked in across all of these guys and Tom Emmer and that Tom Emmer might not be speaker, but he's like, I'm st I still can be the whip. I still can, you know, have a security detail when somebody threatens my wife, I can still get, you know what I mean? I can still get on Paul Singer's plane if I want to, right? Like, like all that stuff is still, I still can get as long as I just take it from Donald Trump and them. And I, and I, and I think that's the real psychology of, of this. I mean, I never thought I'd say it, but here Kristen Cinema looks like the paragon of moral courage for saying that she can go and get on any board she wants and she doesn't care if the voters throw her out. God help us. I, I know. And if Mike Johnson gets us today, I do stand by this. I know it's been fantasy politics for three weeks, but if one person had taken the cinema approach, it was the moral and strategically correct approach for whoever it is, one person to say, nope, I'm going to go deal with Hakeem Jeffries. I'm going to try to become the speaker with Democrat votes. 
And if I don't get it, whatever, I'll go sit on whatever board I want and I, I'll, I won't have to deal with these MAGA freaks anymore. And if I do get it, I'll be speaker and have a portrait. That, to me, that seemed like a logical thing, but a lot of the, um, apparently most of these guys are too weak to do that. So I guess kudos to Kristen Cinema. Who knew? <sighs> All right. So we're going to move on in a minute. First, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you guys, but seeing our government reach this level of dysfunction and turmoil has been incredibly exhausting and depressing. And when this happens, mental health suffers. That's why I always try to stay on top of the state my head is in and figure out the best way to address it. Therapy can be a great way to work through your issues and can help you become the best version of yourself. And if you want to give therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option to try. It's completely online and was created to be convenient and flexible to your schedule. Just to answer a brief questionnaire to be matched with a licensed therapist to start improving your mental health. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash the next level today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash the next level. Little known fact, AB is here today because the BetterHelp people, the sponsors were like, you know, we need the listeners to just have that one little nudge, that one <laughs> nudge that they need, you know, and having Gin AB, J- we'll put the three <laughs> you together on a, <laughs> the three of you guys panel. and people want to come out of this and no, I'm joking. Therapy is good though. You should get it. You should get it. I am going to fight for my right to be dragged in here as a sub. And only to be told that I'm too dark, okay? <laughs> We're dark. No, Tim, Tim, Just warned, dark enough. Tim warned the audience on Sunday that I was coming, and we were doubling down on the dark. And I want to tell you guys, I am brimming with hope today. Not about my Johnson, but other things. I have unrealistic optimism Please about Trump's legal peril. And I'm so excited about Jenna Ellis weeping in court and turning on him. Next up, Rudy Giuliani. Mark Meadows. I'm, I am so lit today. Okay. I have no darkness for you. So I have nothing, but me. like, I'm like almost feeling joyful. Like I, I, I feel like yesterday was the best news day in so long. I, I, I can't even find the words for it. All right. AB, I want to explore this. Let's, I love as, this. As therapists say, tell me more. This is this is a, a therapist blogger. I know jokes that like basically 95% of his job is pausing thoughtfully and then saying, Tell me more. more uh, a, uh, so Jenna Ellis, who uh, once upon a time tweeted in response to a liberal critic of Donald Trump, cry more, read out her, her plea deal in court yesterday, which she got to do over video conference, and she wept. She cried more. And uh, I was surprised in our, in our internal Slack, I would say one, one of our colleagues, whom, whom I love and respect, said, boy, she seemed pretty, pretty sincere. And I thought to myself, are you effing kidding me? That seems like the most put on thing that I've, I've maybe ever seen. She deserves a Razzie for how bad the acting is. And did, where were you on this? Tell, tell me as you watch that, because her plea deal made me angrier, AB. I thought she's getting away with it again. No, 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 no. She is eating shit. But 
let's just start. Let's back up. So I walked by the TV set and I had been anticipating, as many of us who pay way too much attention to this, that she was potentially the next flipper. And then that directly leads to Giuliani. So I have been getting excited about this and seeing it on the cover on, on the TV just made me do a little dance. And then that was before I learned about the weeping. She's a total bullshitter. She's a never Trumper. She tweeted in, in 2016 that he was a lying criminal and she went to Carrie Lake summer camp and became a cult member and bullshit her way through, like, you know, being a real close advisor to Donald Trump, pretending she was some. Don't forget that she's a Christian. Yes, I'm, she's I'm sorry. such a Christian. She, such... she did at Man, one point during she and the big coup. JC. They're like this. One point during the coup, she believed that there should be a biblical interpretation of the Constitution, hmm. um, which she is not an expert on. She's done some criminal law. Anyway, she was very close with the big boys. She was, I guess, you know, on the John Eastman crusade to stop Pence. She used Pence to stop the certification. Then um, after that, they would find other ways to lie about, you know, whatever. It, it, the whole thing, she went on that tour, as you guys remember, the coup tour, November and December with Giuliani, showing up in places, stood by him dutifully as the yeah. hair dye ran down his cheek. So she's a she's a huge member of the strike force that tried to plot the coup and then and then stop the certification. Friends with Trump, whatever, really on the hotline. And um, there's just something MAGA is now mad at her because she did a GoFundMe for her legal defense. They want their money back because she's you know bailed on Donald she Trump. She ruled like a lie. rat. She's a rat. But there's it just hit me for the first time because. Cheeseboro, we we don't really, I don't know, we can't really relate to his part, but there's something about Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis before a jury. It just something about it, it started to feel real to me. That I always assumed that we will never get a 12-person jury in this country to convict Donald Trump, ever. There will always be one radicalized, psychotic person who believes that JFK Jr. and him are going to run next year as a ticket. And I just began to feel for the first time and I could just kick myself for it. But that maybe, just maybe, by day's end, I learned about Mark Meadows having immunity and him saying that he he said that Donald Trump was being dishonest from like whatever that was, November 3rd on election night. I started to feel the sort of collective weight of it. And I got really excited that the justice system so far has worked. Even though the January 6th commission was unbelievable and did absolutely nothing to change Americans' minds, that the justice system is hard at work on our behalf and it's beginning to bear fruit. And that when jurors sit and listen to people like those Stop the Steelers say, it was total bullshit and I did it anyway, we just might have... The right outcome. Tim, you're coming wanna, out of your seat here. I want to test. I'm just excited to test AV's optimism. And I did not smoke great. anything before I came to this screen to meet with you guys. AV, my comments about this podcast being dark, I just I just want to caveat. It's kind of like, you know, in high school, 
JVL wouldn't know about this, but my guess is AB would know about this. Uh, you know, you have a group of friends that are kind of goody two shoes friends. When you're around them, you're you know following the rules, and you have another group of friends that are a little bit of troublemaker friends. When you're around them, all of a sudden you're sneaking a cigarette by the playground. Okay, I, I, that's what Tim, I. Tim, if you do that, it'll go on your permanent record. Yeah, I know. That's I meant AB. I meant you when the three of us come together, it's like it's like the darkness congeals and 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 the darkness begins to you know. Wait, are <laughs> AB and I the people smoking in the by the playground, yeah, kind of, yeah. That's what I'm saying. All, yes, yeah, for, we're eat, we're that for each other. Awesome. So that it was not a personal. It's, it's about this. It's about this tryout. No, anyway, I'm a corrupting influence, and I understand it. My, but my you still invited me back, so we did. My question fault. for you, though, so I want to test this optimism and exuberance. We've we had a little game on this podcast a while back. I don't know if you remember it, and it's called Jail or President. And I want you to look at two years from now. I want to see how ex- how exuberant you are. What percentage Uh-oh. chance do you think Donald Trump will be in jail? What percentage chance do you think he'll be president? What percentage chance do you think neither? And I count house president arrest as jail. We'll lump that in. A convicted from jail? President and jail. I guess those are all options. I just would break that jail. down. What's the the, mo- the most likely for you is president and jail? No. Okay. He's going to be president. I, I, I'm going to put my head back down. But <laughs> I just want to tell you that it was authentic exuberance and hope I that, that I hadn't felt in a really long time. Great. That I, I didn't get to, we've got him this time, but no. I just started to feel good. I'm 45% president, 40% neither, 15% jail. That's how I am right now. Here's the thing. A lot of the January 6th protesters at their plea plea deals, mm-hmm. right, they've given very moving testimony about how uh, they were just wrong and they're embarrassed by what they did and what they did was terrible and they can't believe that they got hoodwinked and all of this. And I, that's the kind of thing that I'm like, okay, Great. Whether you believe it or not, you're saying that, and that's what matters. Jenna Ellis got to stand up there and say, I was relying on the advice of many other legal minds, and (laughs) my sin was that I didn't do my due diligence to really investigate the representations about the law that they were making to me. And so I am very sorry that I gave into this bad advice with out really chasing down all the stories on my own. That's yeah. And the fact that she gets to freaking lie like uh, that I, in her plea just drives me nuts. It drives me absolutely nuts and it makes me sick. I, well, I'm just for a few days, I want to believe that she's going to pinch Rudy. That's what I want to believe. Just, just going to spend a few days on this, believing she has the Rudy goods, Rudy's state of mind phone recordings, whatever. That's what I believe. Just until I can't believe it anymore. I'm with AB. If she's going to pinch Rudy, I'll let her say it. I'm with JVL if she doesn't, uh, if she doesn't tar- do that. So I'm going to trust Fonnie Willis right now. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. so far, the amount of flips we've had is is beyond, I think, what was the optimistic expectation. I, oh, I mean, yeah. when, when Georgia Absolutely. happened, when that, when that came down, I think that, that a lot of people were like, this is a very serious, this could be the big one, but it's like, it's not going to happen before the election. You know what I mean? That, that was kind of the consensus view among legal experts and every, and it's like, okay, well, it's still probably not going to happen before the election, but the, the timetable is moving a lot quicker than, than folks were expecting. So I, so I'm putting some faith in Fonnie Willis on that front. 
I agree with JVL that she's a phony baloney and a liar and she's full of shit and she did know better and she should have to atone for that. I also think her life is pretty bad right now. And so I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy that level of schadenfreude. I hear you read it, commenter. Schadenfreude, four syllables. Uh, I'm going to enjoy that. And I think that her life is bad. I think that all of her old friends hate her. I don't think she has any new friends. I think she cried in court on TV. I think that her her parents are embarrassed. Like I, I think that her life is pretty bad right now, and I'm and so I'm gonna. It's not it's not the total comeuppance that I want, but there's there's something to that, and like we'll we'll see how this things turn out. There are there are levels of bad that you wouldn't wish on on anybody. Yeah, sure. and I, I I do not wish any of those levels of bad on Jenna Ellis. Sure, but it does not seem to me that when you say her life is bad, that her life is anywhere near any of those levels. That's true. Her life seems like. Eh, not what she wanted it to be. That is not the same as being bad. I think she's breathing into a paper bag it's like, not, at night. It's I not think bad she, enough. I, I, I do think she's breathing into a paper bag and hyperventilating. She deserves worse. I, 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 I agree. I'm just saying it's not nothing. It's not nothing. Okay. You know what? She is telling herself that the Lord has forgiven her and she's just a fallen sinner. And, I mean, aren't um, we all? And we all are. And so I'm not even thinking about her life, Tim. I just wanted to pinch Rudy, and that's my fantasy right now. I'm with you on that. All right. We have another sponsor for the show today. Timothy, take it away. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. The sponsor is uh, Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is a cereal that tastes like your childhood faves, but with more protein and less sugar. You know, I don't know about you guys. Growing up, cereal is one of the best parts of being a kid. I do. Same. There's there's one area where I was a little bit different, though, and and I think that probably you're gonna shun me over this, but I was a dry cereal eater. Why? Well, that's fine. Is that fine? Did you did okay. you eat it dry I, I was while watching like Saturday this. morning cartoons? I did. Eat, well, did? No, I was like I was like little Mike Johnson, but the good version. And I was I was like eating gotcha. dry cereal while reading the newspaper or reading a hard copy newspaper in the morning. I was like wow. a. Eight year old. Were you Alex P. Keaton? Yeah, I was Alex P. Keaton. I was like okay. an eight year old grown up, and I'm a 42 year old, eight year old. You know, it's just like things didn't work out how they were planned. But anyway, Magic Spoon, though, it kind of brings this back, right? Because it has the amazing flavors you love, but with less sugar and high protein. You've got a variety pack, four flavors they're cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. We've already tried a couple of them. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of carbs. There's only 140 calories in a serving. It's high protein, zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. Pretty good stuff. And let me tell you, I, I let Toulouse try them out. We tried Frosted, and we tried Fruity. And she was into it. She was into it. And, you know, as an adult cereal... Like, but for the kids, that's where you can really see the joy of cereal. Pro she tip, it. mix the peanut butter and the cocoa. Oh, have you tried that? That's what, I, that's what I've been doing. Ooh, Love it. That's nice. Okay. Love it. Go to magicspoon.com slash next level to grab the variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code next level at checkout to save five bucks off your order. And uh, Magic Spoon, so confident you're going to like their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no question asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash next level and use the code next level to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. All right. Last segment. 
a bunch of bunch of people on the right are really, really outraged at the horrible anti-Semitism coming from the Biden administration as they refuse to take Israel's side and just, you know, all they do is equivocate on Hamas and what. Tim, you want to tell us what's going on? It's a rough day on the tweets. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give the real story of what's happening. I I, I do. I always appreciate your your sarcasm intro. But uh, so here's the deal: the Biden administration, I think, for for good reason. Uh, especially there was the incident where the uh, Islamic kid was killed. Was that in Illinois? Six year old was killed, and and so and since then, a lot of their rhetoric has been, you know, saying that we condemn anti-Semitism and we condemn Islamophobia. Joe Biden has sent many tweets about anti-Semitism. I did a little Twitter search to see how many Ron D, Ron DeSanctis has sent about anti-Semitism, just the one from him. Joe Biden has sent several tweets about anti-Semitism and his concerns about anti-Semitism, but he did one tweet that only mentioned Islamophobia. And then you have KJP, the press secretary, did really boof one yesterday. Like, let's just be honest about this. She was asked about anti-Semitism and then responded by talking about Islamophobia. So that's a boof. The White House needs to be... Needs to be careful about this. Everybody needs to be careful about this. Democratic leaders have been pretty darn good at us. We had Dan Goldman on the Sunday show. You can listen to him if you want. Like anti-Semitism, real problem. People are legitimately concerned. It's a problem in Israel. It's a problem here. There are threats against Jews here. Uh, like we need to be stalwart about this and clear-eyed about this. That said, uh, the criticism of the of the White House from the right has been, I think, kind of revealing. And you have a lot of the more the anti-Trump right folks that, that just they're going to have to find a reason to get on board with them next year. They're going to have to figure it out. You know, our, our uh, you never know our Ben Shapiro's, our National Review types. Uh, they're going to have to find it. They're going to have to figure out a way to get on board. And so they have isolated the KJP gaffe and the one tweet. And they and they are now what we're getting is. This is the Joe Biden administration's very fine people on both sides moment. It really is. And this is their all lives matter. And they just they cannot say it. And it's just the same. And they cannot condemn the anti-Semitism in their ranks on the left. Now, mind you, there are some problems with this comparison. Like for starters, it was Donald Trump that was doing the very, very fine people on both sides. And it's like a back, some backbench Congress people that are doing it on the Democratic side. And, and the fact that Joe Biden has been really, really good and Bibi Netanyahu is like probably not his cup of tea politically, was like, and is not an emotional man, was like crying and hugging Joe Biden and people in Israel are thanking Joe Biden. And, uh, you know, so there's some problems with this theory, but they're running with it. There was one tweet about Islamophobia and one screw up by the spokesperson. And now it's kind of like same, same, you know, same, same. Donald Trump might have been cheering on the white nationalists, but Joe Biden one time said he was concerned about Islamophobia and it's kind of the same. And I don't know, we might be forced to vote for Donald Trump. So how, AB, where, how, how do you feel about that, that summation of the state of play? Well, I was, sorry to slap the White House around, but I was Please, a little it. bit shocked to see um, Corinne Jean-Pierre's response when the question was specifically about anti-Semitism. It wasn't a statement that she was making to talk about threats to Muslim Americans or anything. She, she just answered a question about anti-Semitism with this statement. So it, it was very jarring. And that? look, these guys on the right have been eating shit for weeks with Joe Biden, sending a secretary of state over to Israel to hang out at a donation center with Israelis crying in his arms and thanking him. Joe Biden himself then goes to Israel, makes all the right statements initially after 10-7, and then makes this incredible speech that all these Republicans know has been 
stalwart, an energetic defense that has never once slipped, that has surprised them. And they're tired, Tim. They're tired of this. They were tired of Trump saying Hezbollah was smart and crapping on Bibi Netanyahu. So they were waiting for something. And this was their out. I'm going to out Bill Crystal in a private conversation, which I'm not usually, which I don't usually do, but I think Bill will be fine with this. We were talking about this yesterday. He's down in New Orleans. We have an event in New Orleans tonight, Wednesday night. If you happen to be watching this this afternoon on YouTube and you're in the greater New Orleans area, come see us at La Petite Theater tonight. But uh, I was talking to him yesterday and he was like, here's the thing. There's this like myth that these kind of anti-anti-Trump Republicans and the, you know, the neocon types that stuck with Trump, like have been looking for an excuse to go to, to leave the party. And like, and the problem is they couldn't because the left is too crazy and blah, blah, blah. And like, that is just wrong, right? Like that, like his point is no, that is just wrong. They're looking for an excuse to stay. Like Joe Biden gave them every olive branch to say, you know what? We can be united on this front. But that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for an excuse to stay. And so the moment that, that Karine Jean-Pierre gives them an excuse to stay with an admittedly bad statement, all of a sudden it's like, oh, man, Joe Biden's the same as Donald Trump. And, and like they are not living in the reality. And we've done plenty on this podcast and on the Bulwark and on other Bulwark podcasts about the, the concerning stuff that's happening on the left, on campus and from the squad and others. But like there has been a robust response, not just from Biden, but my friend Peter Hamby at Puck did an article that quoted Alyssa Slotkin, Richie Torres, Jake Auchincloss, all Democratic reps, criticizing their left flank over this, like with the kind of clarity that we've been begging Republican politicians to criticize their right flank with. And they've done it over and over again. But like these guys just they can't take yes for an answer. I think Bill's right. And you're right that they're looking for an excuse to stay. But I think the most engaged and well-informed among them are very aware that on this issue, uh, Joe Biden has gotten the attention of Republicans who care passionately about this issue and Republicans or Republicans who are Jewish or whatever, that, that sure. this on this, this, this was a serious moment of pause for their coalition, knowing that Joe Biden delivered and was unflappable. So I think that I don't know that they know that it's like maybe an electoral threat, but if you're, if we're looking right for Sarah Longwell and Bill Crystal to peel off just a certain number of Republicans in each swing state and keep them at home, if they won't vote for Joe Biden and not to vote for Trump, this is part of that calculation. And I think those people like Brit Hume who praised Biden's speech, they see that and they see that that is a problem electorally to give Joe Biden credit. I just want to read a couple passages from some of the speeches that Biden gave while he was in Israel. He says, the truth of the matter is, if there weren't in Israel, we'd have to invent one. You don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist. And I think the security and safety of Jews worldwide is anchored in the continued vibrance of the state of Israel. Why, why is it? Why, why did he believe that? Because, as he said in one of his other speech, there have been millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. And that October 7th was, again, this is, this is Joe Biden, just another one of these, right? Just another scar left by millennia of anti-Semitism. So it, it shows that they really care much more about finding a reason why they can support Trump than they do even about the foreign policy, which was supposedly, which drove everything, right? And those are really good, clear statements. You can say that being clear-eyed that there are 
people on the left that don't feel that way and, and that, in my view, have really wrong views on Israel. And, and it's because those folks exist within Joe Biden's coalition that it makes the fact that Joe Biden has not equivocated on this even more laudable and noteworthy, right? Like it, it gets a higher and degree in fact, of has de- rebuked yeah. the sister soldier, right? That you know Biden's had his sister soldier moment on this, and in fact, I think you could say very accurately that Biden's leadership within the Democratic coalition has actually moved some Democrats on this, in people who you would not have expected, right? AOC yeah, has been better, not great, but AOC has been better. Fetterman, Fetterman has been has been like this is amazing on this. So if you are a person who cares about the foreign policy issue, Biden is not only doing the right thing, but Biden is turning the Democratic Party in, to be on your side of the issue. Why wouldn't you welcome this, right? This is this is the equivalent of if we had a Republican who was going to run on climate change and environmentalists on the left attacking that Republican Right. Instead of being like, yes, great, we can get the Republican Party on board with climate change. And they probably would do that, by the way. Yeah, and so that's <laughs> they, they would deserve to be criticized, but they would deserve to be criticized. Fair enough. All right, guys. Good show. Long show. Not nearly as depressing as I thought it would it was be. Great. Uplifting. AB. Even though AB never really told us the Trump presidency versus jail answer. We never oh, got yeah. a give us very your, give clear us your no, I do. I would have to. I would. You know, it's hard. You don't want to. You don't end on a dark note. No, to, right, right. Why did you bring this up so that I would end on a dark note? You're trapping me. Great point. Yes, it is true that I think if the election were held tomorrow, he would win. So I, it's hard for me to get beyond that right now. 55% president, 0% jail, 45% <laughs> neither. There. Okay. That is the answer. Oh, that is okay. the correct answer. There you go. All right, guys. Good show. Long show. AB, thanks for being here. Tim, I'll see you on Sunday. Have a great show in New Orleans, my friend. And uh, we'll be back again. Bye. Bye.